calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, it's Malls. Reminder before the show to make sure that you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts. And if you're new, welcome to Please Advise Nation. Our show only works with your participation, so call 323-450-7408 with your dilemmas and life questions. Again, that's 323-450-7408 or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thank you and enjoy. Hey everyone, it's episode 182 of Please Advise. I'm Molly McAleer. I'm joined here today by Christina Lopez. And I just want to introduce our guest right off the top because I was having a realization when we were setting this up. Our guest is calling in over Skype. And uh, it's Liz Bentley. She hosts Feathers in My Hair, a teen mom podcast. She and I met on Snapchat, same way I met Troy McGeady. And she just, you know, spoke to my soul. Um, (laughs) I could tell she was a real talent, because she is. Um, But I was realizing when we were (laughs) setting this up, I think that Liz is like somewhere like where you and I meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. Like, cause <laughs> right away I was just laughing. Cause like Liz is like taking care of the technical stuff. But in the back of my head, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait to talk shit about reality with her today. Uh, <laughs> it's exciting for me too, because like I've talked to Liz, but this is the first time I'm talking to Liz. Yeah. Cause like- Christina's influential with all of our podcasts. <laughs> She's a huge help. And so you guys have like had some crosstalk in the past. Yeah. We just, but it's been all business. Yeah. You know, and so which like- is, but you two, this is what I love because that's what you two are. <laughs> I said to Christina, Liz is a fucking straight shooter. Give her like some like some bangers. And so I think she did that today. I tried. But Liz, I want to ask you some tea mom, um, teen mom tea. Okay. Okay. Slight trigger warning for anyone out there. Well, like, no, just why are you listening to this podcast if you need that? Um, but is it true that like there's a picture somewhere allegedly out there of like Janelle giving David a blowjob with a gun to her head? Wow. Okay. No, that's a great. Okay. Molly and I constantly go back and forth on um, one crazy day and nights yeah. blind items. And I really hate them for teen mom because I'm pretty sure that he just um, like goes on Twitter or whoever is writing the teen mom ones. Oh, and just like goes on. Yeah, yeah. Just goes on Twitter and Reddit and then like pulls together blind items, like based on the guy, like I could write really good teen mom blind items. Like I, 
I should make a site and just start. I do. You know? Yeah. I think he gets like solid submissions from like the people, the regulars, like Trisha 13, for example. Like, I think he gets lines from people like that because NT, like, when I see him talking about some of this stuff, I'm like, dude, you're like a 60-year-old entertainment lawyer. Like, you have no fucking interest in teen mom. Like, where are you getting this? And I don't see him being someone desperate enough to go hunting that down himself. So I do think he probably takes, like, submissions. Yes. So whoever – I'm not saying it's him, but, like, he gets – it is him because it's his website, right? And, like, it's sure. his name. So whoever is writing these teen mom blind items, like – what they do is they just take, and I'm a blind item fan. Like, don't, I'm not shitting mm. on blind items in in general. You better not, but not on this the program. Teen, the teen mom ones, I just find to be very bad. Um, they're just based on like speculation and stuff that's already on Twitter. And I just, I don't know. I don't think that there's a video. First of all, if there was a video of Janelle giving David head with a gun to her head, like, <laughs> who would have that? That wasn't David or Janelle. I think it, just, it was like as they, basically like someone was saying that he is sort of like bragging about it. That would be my takeaway. Like him telling but they don't us talk like, to people. That's a, also right. the thing about David and Janelle is like they don't have friends. They're insular. Like, they don't talk to people. I just that one is so ludicrous, but it's so easy. Like I could easily come up with that because David always has a gun. Uh, people are right <laughs> now really on this thing where they're convinced that David is like if you read Reddit and Twitter, one of the big things right now is that David is like exploiting, like abusing Janelle by posting sexually explicit images to his Instagram and Snapchat. Okay. Um, like he's constantly posting, like he'll be like grabbing her ass. And honestly, Janelle loves that shit. I don't know what exactly what's going on, but a lot of people will be like, when I was in an abusive relationship, like my boyfriend did that. And so I know this is abusive. So that that's been like a big hot topic uh, in the Teen Mom online fandom. So I think what they did is they were like, okay, we know he's been posting stuff. We know that people like really have a lot of thoughts and feelings on like the explicit stuff he posts with Janelle. And we know he always has a gun. So let's put this all together for one blind item. Right, and I right, think right. that's what they do. Yeah, because it is interesting that NT has like a nickname for him. Like he calls him UBT, Uncle Bad Touch. Oh, well, like- David actually gave, well, Okay, Uncle Bat, I can tell you where that nickname came from. So on a Teen Mom reunion, when they had all of, like, the dads and the boyfriends, they asked everybody to give themselves a porn nickname. And David said his would be Uncle David because that was his, like, Instagram handle at the time. He didn't have kids yet. He just had, like, his nieces and nephews. No, I guess he did have kids. I don't know. His Instagram was, like, Uncle David. That is so So gross. So he said that'd be his poor name, which is really gross. Then Adam, Chelsea's baby daddy, like, started talking shit on him online and called him Uncle Bad Touch. Oh. And so everybody in the Team Mom world, like, gets nicknames and his is David's is UBT and that came from Adam and is just like stuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wow, that's that's crazy. That's um that's such an inappropriate answer. I don't know why I'm yeah. you know, I you know me. I'm a fucking serial optimist. You know that I think like, oh Janelle, like, you know, Janelle's learning. She's figuring it out. She's trying. Yeah, I think she's trying. I really do. I think she's trying. Um, and it's sad, but I do think she's trying. But she's probably not. I don't know. I mean, I believe you. Um, yeah, she's she Janelle. I mean, the reality is she's profoundly mentally ill <laughs> and has like that, you know, and it's like 
that's just the reality. She's been abused literally her entire life yeah. by her dad, her mom, and then boyfriends and now husbands. And she has probably borderline personality disorder that's 100% untreated. Plus, she's a drug addict. It's like she might be trying, but it's never going to be good because her life is really bad. Yeah, that's a hell of a combo platter. I have to say that like Barb, as much as I... I do like Barb, but being from the Boston area, hearing that Providence accent, it's like so triggering to me. She's a monster. Yeah. Barb is a monster. She anyway. is that mom that would be like fucking screaming at their child in the ground round parking lot, like for yeah. sure. Do you have the ground round where you're from? Yes. Penny of a course. pound day. Penny a pound. <laughs> do you remember that? And you could you could go and get at least at our ground round you could get um ice cream and a Phillies hat oh and, yeah that was huge New England was probably in a Boston hat like <laughs> you gotta you gotta have ice cream and a hat I've told yeah I, by the way I tried gambling today I tried to <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying I tried um I've tried it before clearly but I tried to gamble on the Super Bowl today and then I found out you could only do it from New Jersey and I almost got fucked so that said Greg Lisi, if you're listening to this, oh my god, it's government a hard name. fuck you. Um, we had a private conversation, but I, also I'll I'll just give a real public fuck you to Greg for not only fostering my budding gambling addiction, um, but for sc- uh, potentially screwing me out of a lot of money. Um, Liz, <laughs> I have to get on? my mushroom egg out of the oven. Why don't you two have a conversation for a couple minutes, okay? Why don't you two get okay. to know? I have to get my mushroom egg. I'll be right back. Okay. So where are you from, Liz? I am from outside of Philadelphia, from, like, the Philly suburbs. I was just living in Florida for the last four years, but I've recently moved back. Oh, okay. Sorry. It sounded like the way you ended that sentence sounded like it was going to keep going. Um, No. (laughs) So uh, Molly kind of gave me, like, a gloss over of your, like, please advise resume, which is just, like, what your trauma is, like what your traumas have been (laughs) it's like it's like when you go on a date with another woman it's like okay let's unpack our mutual traumas yeah um but But you know do you want to like shed some light on your strengths like on this show we don't just call them traumas we call them the three reasons why you're qualified to give advice and liz has a lot of them i like i one of the many reasons why i treasure liz is because she's just gonna fucking keep it she's gonna keep it real with you yeah like um, I was telling Christina about on the EBP message board that time we were talking about some lady who was like lost and you were like her body's dead in the woods like animals ate her and like it's like then you just oh, moved Maura. yeah and then you just Maura like Mal- what's her name uh, I am- Maura Malley or something yeah I and then you just like moved on and it was just like <laughs> Jesus yeah I was like you just fucking dropped a bomb um, and I love that about you so let's kind of get into your your traumas aka your three reasons why you're qualified to give advice or your survival stories uh so my three reasons that i'm qualified to be to give i mean i think i have like a million but off the top (laughs) i would say my three reasons are that i am a recovering drug addict i've been sober for four and a half years yes queen any mind altering substances in four and a half years um and like my main drug of choice was heroin but really like it was everything like Adderall weed Xanax alcohol everything um it was just like heroin that kind of took me out if you will my other thing is that I mean and that's like the biggest thing but also I just had like a really traumatic childhood yeah Uh, both my parents were drug addicts and alcoholics they're all sober now but uh, so I had a really dysfunctional and really chaotic childhood. 
and um i mean also like abusive relationships and i was molested and i had to get over that so you know all of that funness which i openly talk about that i don't think i think more people should openly talk about it um i love that about you especially because like in particular and i'm sure you know this like heroin has such a stigma um mm -hmm. which it should but like it's very rare that someone can come back the way that you have it's incredibly rare and you work really hard on it and i think it's like just so great that you're honest about it because it's a that's something with a big stigma, you know, for I mean, sure. It's, it's such the opiate crisis right now in the country, too, is such a huge problem it's that we need huge. people to start talking about. It's like huge. Coming out the other side of it. Um, yeah, I think um, it like alarms. It disarms people, I guess, when I tell them because I definitely like I just look like a normal, nice, upper middle class Jewish girl. Like, I don't look <laughs> like a heroin addict. You know what I mean? Right. And so when I tell people that, they're like, wait, what? And I think it just kind of helps them reclassify, like, what a heroin addict looks like. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. I mean, like, you definitely expect people to be at the very least white knuckling, you know, through yeah. life. Um, and I just what you've done is fantastic. And it's crazy because like, you know, I know you lost a friend this week, which is just awful. Yeah. Um, but one of our very first conversations, like one of my first memories of talking with you was just that you had just gotten been with a friend who was still using. And I just thought to myself, like, that is incredible that she is able to put herself in a position. I don't think that I would ever be able to be in a position with someone who was still using if I if I was and then wasn't, if I was like clean. I, and I, you know, I think that says, speaks a lot to your character and like also how strong you are in your recovery. But um, yeah, I'm so sorry to hear that because this was that friend that passed. So um, do you have anything like you want to say, speak to about that? Because I know you've seen a lot of loss in your community and everything. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a friend that like I had gone to rehab with and we went to like sober living together and then I like got it together and she just like never could, you know, like I think the longest she ever had sober and like the whole time I knew her was like five months. Um, and you know, we knew each other for four, four years and she just like could never get it together. And she had really taught me that like, I don't have to get rid of my friends that like still use mm -hmm. and that I can be there for my friends as long as it's like not an unhealthy situation. Yeah. Like she wasn't, you know, asking you to get involved her like, yourself. yeah. And she like, I mean, I've definitely, like, cut off a lot of people who would be, like, asking me for money or manipulating me, but, like, she never did that. And I really – it taught me that, like, I could be around people that are using, but also, like, it's hard to explain because it's definitely a case-by-case -case basis. And, you know, like, there are definitely times where, like, I'm in a situation and it's like, oh, I should leave. Like, let me duck out now. Like, I don't love to be around people that are, like, partying hard to me, that's like almost more triggering to be in a situation where people are like drinking heavily and it's like a party. I usually will like duck out, you know, by like 11. When Drunk people, people getting, are like, really like, it's brutal. Yeah, but, and even when I was like not sober, but just like wasn't drinking that night, I didn't like to be around drunk people. So I think I've just like carried that over. But yeah, it just, you know, this friend particularly taught me that like I can be there for people and I can help people, but I also like can't get people sober um and you know I drove her to like a million detoxes and had her detox on my couch and like 
tried a million different ways to get her sober and it just like it never worked and I never could keep her sober or make her sober and that was like a really important lesson for me that no matter like what I did I can't force anybody else to be sober I can just be sober myself and yeah just like it's because there are definitely people that are still using that I've like that I've cut off. You know what I mean? Where I was like, I cannot have you in my life. You're like you're a fucking maniac. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Everything you do is insane. But like with her, I just didn't have to do that. And there have definitely been other people that I haven't had to do that with. And it's also one of those things like it might sound corny, but for me, like I have a spiritual solution, you know, and like I have a higher power and I have a solution through the program that I work. So it, it's a little, I think if I didn't have that, like, I don't know if I'd be able to be in those situations or be around people that use, but like, I have a greater purpose, I guess. And I have like, uh, I have a new way of living that I do. And like, I had a friend die not through drugs and alcohol last year, like my oldest, my friend from childhood, like we've been friends for 25 years. And I was at her funeral and one of her friends was like, how do you do this sober? Like, how are you doing this sober? And I was just like, you know, like I have spirituality. Like I, it just like, I do like, I just kind of exist on like a different plane than I used to. And that makes it easier to be in those situations and stay sober. And I think like, that's why I'm not white, white knuckling it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. How do you, how, how, how have you gotten to a place um, to be able to talk about these things so openly I think what stops a lot of people is like that shame or that guilt of like talking about their, you know, molestation or, you know, being able to express that publicly. Like, how did you get to a place to be able to do that? I think part of it is just my natural personality. Like, I I do believe like I was just born. I mean, I was just born with the gift of the gab, if you will. <laughs> like, I just love to talk. I love to talk about myself. I love people giving me attention and praise like that. I've just always been that way. And I've always been a talker like my whole life. So I think that is part of it. I mean, I started going to therapy when I was like eight. So I think I just became like really comfortable with talking about myself. And I, (laughs) I, I don't, I think it's just like that. I think it's just who I am. Like, I don't think it's like I got to a place where I was comfortable with it. I think I just like am comfortable with it because that's just how I operate and I also like, I don't know, I don't have like a high stakes job where if I talk about it, I could be fired. And I don't let you know what I mean? Like, it's also like a part of your story that if anything might make you an even more valuable employee in some ways. Like, I don't think you would work somewhere where like being able to talk about that wouldn't be an asset in some capacity. Yeah, I just don't live like, I don't know. I'm not like a like I have a friend that um. I went to high school with that sober and she works like in politics. So she doesn't openly talk about it. You know what I mean? Like she's not like posting on Facebook that she's sober because it's just like, it's not that she hides it, but it could hurt her. Like she's not like a politician, but she works in politics and she just has that type of job where it's just like, that wouldn't be great if it was like public information. You know what I mean? No one's like excited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, it like just doesn't work like that. But I do think it's just like, who I am naturally. Like I've always been very open and willing to talk about myself. And I don't think I like got to a place. I think I've just like always been in that place. Do you believe in past life regression? Uh, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. See, when it comes to all that stuff, I'm like, maybe, 
I don't not believe in it. I'm just very agnostic. Yeah. Um, because I was gonna say, like, I figured you probably I I know you're very like spiritual, so I, I wasn't sure if you would like be on that idea or not. But I've done it a couple of times. And one of the things that like has been brought up to me is that like, you know, it becomes very like primitive in a way. It goes back to a time where everyone lived in villages and had like little jobs that were like their thing. And one thing that always came up for me was they were like, you were always the communicator in the village. Like Mm -hmm. you were the one that got everyone together and like basically like communicated a message. And like that rings really true with me. And I think the same of you. Like I feel like you're someone and honestly, like someone, anyone that I, I produce their podcast, I feel like they have that skill. And that's what I look for in, in like people to host, you know? Yeah. I'm also like a real big know-it-all, like a real big know-it-all. And so I just need people to hear what I have to say, like at all times. And it's so funny once, like some people, when they criticize my podcast are like, she's such a know-it-all. And I'm like, you guys understand that I talk into the mic by myself for like two hours every week. Like if I wasn't a know-it-all, like I literally couldn't do this podcast. Like you can't show up unprepared to what you do. This is the thing that I think a lot of people don't understand that there's a certain amount of ego that needs to be involved in order to put stuff out in the world. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, and be able to like, like, yeah, that's the thing that people struggle with is trying to do stuff publicly. Right. Yeah. And like, in order to do that, you need to believe that you're the shit. Yeah. Like a little bit. There's a little of a note. Or just like like, needs so that that stuff can breathe. Yeah. I would say I don't do it because I think I'm the shit. I do it because I don't know how how to not that's how I hype myself up yeah oh yeah you think you're the shit that's like, it yeah the, I just do it because I like I I like don't know what else to do with all of this yeah. like I have to be like as soon as something happens maybe it's just my way of processing I have to talk to someone about it like I have to just be like I'm like dropping this text off feel no like need to reply to it I just need to say that this happened to someone and like yeah. express this learning and growing experience I just I just had and, like, I, I would agree. Like, I definitely think I am a big, like, well, actually. Like, that is t- – yeah. I am a big – well. you're a big, well, actually, Liz. Like, yeah. and you're right, and so am I. So, like, there's nothing wrong with that. When you're right, <laughs> you're right. I'm too, yeah. And you can, you can definitely be like that, too. Christina's much more, like, technically right. I'm more like <laughs> – that's wrong. You're wrong. That's a bad moral impulse. And you're going to hell. See ya. Like, I'm very much that type of person, um, even though I, I try and actively practice empathy in every way every day. Um, so all of this said, you guys, I think it's time to move forward to our calls. I know Christina front loaded this with some buck wild ones. So let's get in there. Well, we'll get there. OK. It's, it's about the journey. Oh, OK. OK. <laughs> hey, malls. My name is Emily. I'm 29 and I'm a bartender near Austin, Texas. And my question is, what do you say when a guy tells you to smile? I can't explain why, but I'm sure every woman knows just how infuriating it is. And I'm at my job, so I don't want to be too rude, but I need like a snappy response. Usually I just say, ha-ha, and smile, a fake smile, and then go spit in their drink. Just kidding, I would never spit in someone's drink, but seriously, like I've thought about saying, wow, I've never met a woman who wasn't offended by that. But, I don't know, what would you say? Please advise. Thanks. Okay, I'm just going to start by being honest, fully honest. Yeah. I'm a little bitch and I just smile. 
Like I know I knew exactly what you were gonna say. I don't. I don't like it's. Yeah. Well, you you know who I am. You know I'm a weak little bitch. Um, I know it's not the right answer. Right. But I deal terribly with confrontation in the moment. Yeah. And also when it's something that you've been said, it's been said to you your whole life. It takes a. It's it's it will usually hit me five minutes after the person's gone, or like when I'm in my car. Or like when it's just a little bit too late. And I don't feel like this urge to go back and be like, I don't play it in my head and been like, it's this is how I would have told you off. I used to do that all the time in my 20s. My 20s were like a perpetual state of like thinking all the ways I could tell someone to go fuck themselves that I failed (laughs) to do. But um, yeah, I know it's wrong, but uh, I don't. Yeah, I just smile. It's like like the Seinfeld jerk store kind of like when when George like comes up with a sick mm-hmm. burn after yeah. like way afterwards. Exactly. He tries to work it back in. So, I mean, I guess I kind of have to turn to you guys because I'll tell even our caller, like I, I would avoid that confrontation, especially in a service job. Um, yep. And especially also in Texas, you know, they def like it's, it's a, it's definitely more part of the culture. I would say like to, you know, smile little lady like it's very people are very about like keeping up I don't know I haven't been keeping up manners keeping up politeness it's same thing in Houston you've been there I mean I was like on a farm with one other person for like mostly a month so I didn't get to like know the culture they definitely have that southern hospitality that southern charm and a lot of times that comes with like just keeping your chin up keep a smile on your face kill him with kindness yeah and so that said like I don't necessarily agree with I don't agree with it but I I have a very difficult time standing up for myself and um I'll just own that I'm not gonna lie to our audience and be like well when I in the moment told someone to go fuck themselves like (laughs) I I just don't I don't do it Liz what about you yeah I'm curious what. okay I worked in restaurants forever like for 10 years and I would definitely say in a work environment, you absolutely, I would do like a cheeky, I don't know if it ever happened to me, but when situations like that came up, I would always just do like a funny little like, (laughs) basically what you described. You give them like a half smile and you laugh. And the reality is, is like when you work in service, like you don't get, well, maybe as a bartender a little more, but I was always a server. Like, you don't really get to snap back at people. Absolutely like not. When you work like, for tips, fuck no. Yeah, yeah you really yeah. can't. You really so you, can't. I would just, like, give a smile or come up with, like, a canned answer that you say with a smile. Like, once someone on my Facebook, like, sent me a message and asked why I wasn't smiling in my profile picture. And I wrote back because I look thinner when I don't smile. Um just like something that takes them off guard, but isn't rude would be my suggestion. Like you could just be like, I just like the way my face looks better. Uh, something like that, but it can't be, I just say like anything make, else. I like Smiling, to make the other person feel horrible about it. So usually I'll do something like, Oh, my grandfather died or I just found out I lost my job today. But You can't say that when you're in a service job. No, not when you're in a service job, but it, it, let's in say the this, real world. in the real world, like I can imagine this is happening to her also in the real world as well. And so, okay, like, but- you kind of never know what's going on in someone's life, and that's kind of rude to like make that assumption. So, okay, but I just like to make the other here's my feel here's my question. That. I agree, I understand that the thing, but like, if now we're pivoting to you don't get to tell me what to do with my fucking face, yeah, to you should feel like an asshole because a tragedy happened to me versus like I just don't have to. Nothing yeah. happened. I just don't that's have mine. to. 
and like that's mine like i don't that should like be if the somebody goal. on the street yeah said that should be the me, goal but i mean like i don't think there's enough time for that kind of nuanced we interaction get there? you know what i mean so yeah. like the only other option i can see if you want to go nuclear is just making the other person feel bad by bringing up a tragedy mine is definitely on the street like in regular <laughs> life if somebody says it to me i would say no like that's it like i wouldn't engage with them if i even said Honestly, if it was a stranger, I would not say anything back to them and I wouldn't smile yeah. or keep walking. More often than but not, I do they, that. I'd probably they, be like, make me. You know, no. Don't you don't know, know what you're That's like escalating. That yeah. <laughs> yeah. Girl, like, give me something to smile about. Like, yeah. And then you know, he looks no. at his ding dong. Yeah. I'll take a fist to the face. But <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. I usually just go for a solid ignore. But in bartending, like, unfortunately, that's your job to smile and it sucks. And that's why I don't work in restaurants anymore. Well, oh no, if you tell them your grandfather died, you might get a good tip too. Just yeah. like, Hey, you're yeah. really, yeah. really you trying to pull get it really off. Through sad. It. Yeah. You could get re- like, do a, a, like a really sad, like my dog died. <sighs> my dog died yesterday. I'm just feeling really sad. And yeah. then they'd be like, Oh, but honestly, the whole point in service industry is just to make your shift as easy as possible. And usually the easiest way to do is to smile. But like, I get why it sucks. I used to like, sometimes I would be standing in the kitchen. I'd be like, I cannot physically smile at another table. Like I cannot do it. Like (laughs) I cannot force my cheek muscles to go in that direction. Like I can't, I cannot do it. But then you dig deep and you just give them the fucking smile. And then you turn your back and you go, I fucking hate working in food or drinks and then you move on like that it's yeah. just that's the cost of working as a bartender unfortunately can we talk about like the reverse of that though like when people are too like i i when i go into my local cvs you would think honestly like i just came back from iraq like they're all like hi molly hi and it's like <laughs> i know it's their job i know that they all have to greet no, everyone enthusiastically but it's an assault to my senses every single time. And I feel like I wish I could just send someone in before me and be like, yo, when she, when the brown haired lady comes in here, chill. Cause like, she's not, I mean like I'm in and out of there. It gives me the willies. I, I don't yeah, I hate being recognized in like a me. spot that I like go over again and again. Like, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. You know, that's on my usual order. I don't know. Especially like at that CVS, I won't even say they say my name. I would say only the people at the pharmacy say my name because they see them once a month, but like without fail. But like, it's just like, you know, it's that Walmart greeter system where it's like at a certain point, like, man, I don't need to be greeted. Like, I'm just trying to get my, my job done today. I have to go in here and buy my granola bars for my kids or whatever. Like, I don't need 12 people saying hello to me. Well, I wear my headphones at all times, basically at least one headphone. So, which is probably super rude. And I look like a nut job. I understand that. But then I never have to talk to anyone. And it's been a great change of my life. Yeah, I, I don't think doing you look that. like a nut job. When I see people with headphones on in public, I just feel envious if I don't have them. I'm like, fuck, I should have brought those. I'm there. I walk around without my glasses on. I don't need to see everything. I don't want to hear everything. I like to be alone. Okay, I'm very sensitive. I had an interaction with a neighbor this morning. She was just like, you're always on your headphones. Like, you're so, you're just like kind of like antisocial. And I'm like, well, actually, I work in an office like mostly eight, eight or nine hours a day. I'm kind of burned out on human interaction when I come home. You can just say so, I work in audio. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, she knows that. I'm a, like, I'm like, I'm listening to podcasts because it's like part of my job yeah every time I get into an uber and I put my headphones on first of all like everyone in LA is like 
why are you here? The second you get in the Uber, they want to know who you are, what you can do for them, whatever. <laughs> but so I never say I, I'm like listening to a podcast or something for work. I'll just be like, I'm going to be on my phone for work. And if you need anything, just like yell. I think Jane Marie, <laughs> um, the writer Jane Marie, she also runs Little Everywhere, which is like a podcast studio. She tweeted that that was her move. And I've been doing it religiously ever since. And it works great. Yeah. Just I can't I'm not going to be able to hear you. These are noise canceling. Like wave your hand or something if you need me. And they certainly don't need you. No, they don't. They know where they need to go. That's the other thing that frustrates me sometimes with Uber is just like, oh, how where are we going? How are we like, don't you you have that information? Yeah, yeah. No, don't I ask know. Me I, for hate a route. That. I I absolutely hate that. <laughs> that is like very much a pet peeve for me. Unless someone's about to get on the freeway, like to go for like two stops, and I'm yeah. like, dog. Like, just take the back roads. Like, yeah. this is, I'm not, I don't need a freeway in my life. Yeah. And also, why are you working in an area that you don't really, I don't know. It's, I wish they, like, were more, like, cap, like legit Uber cabby. takes you everywhere. So the 19-year-old yeah. boy that goes to my store, Liz, um, mm-hmm. he's, like, an aspiring pop star. He takes uh, Uber everywhere. And yesterday I see him tweet, get this, that he was at the gym and he called an Uber and he put in his address, but he accidentally clicked his address for New Mexico. <laughs> and the driver started to drive him to fucking New Mexico. What? And he got like an hour and a half out of town before he realized, I think. And then Uber, like the guy went back and um, his he got charged $289. And like I once got, I once went to another, I used to live at 200 Broadway in Glendale. I put in 200 Broadway and it took me like down by the airport. Um, And like that was expensive and I was pissed. It was like, it was like 50 bucks or something because it was late at night. But um, I couldn't believe it. 19 years old, you get a $289 Uber bill. You're trying to make it out here as an R&B singer going to church. (laughs) Like at Hillsong. I mean that. Like, why did it take him so long to realize what was happening? He's fucking yeah. nineteen. He's nineteen. He was probably on his phone. It probably was like a yeah, you know a forty. It probably was lesson. like a forty-five minute drive, depending on the time of day in LA. And like by the time he tuned in, when you don't drive here, like you have no reason to know what freeway you're on, how long something should take. But I think if you take enough trips, you know, like the general route that like someone should be going to your house. I just could say that like, just, like, I could see that accidentally happening to me when I, I was younger. I, I'm just saying I don't have sympathy for that. <laughs> like, I don't have, I don't have, yeah. what do you, I mean, well, you, people make mistakes. Yeah, but that's like, that's that's what you, that's how you learn. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't think the boy should win a fucking national medal, like, or anything like that. I don't think th- this is a courageous act on his part. Yeah, it was I a just, dumb mistake. Yeah, it it's really a dumb, dumb mistake. mistake, but I was like, fuck. Like, I would feel terrible if I was 19, out $290, because I just clicked the wrong thing. Like, that sucks. Yeah, that's and no one likes a three hundred dollar mistake. I wouldn't want that for you. Yeah, it's a, it's a shitty mistake. Yeah, I you I don't know. I'm so such like a control sometimes. Like when, I'm such a control freak. I don't. I don't. I, I don't feel I can't imagine that. Dumb thing. Like it's dumb. It's a dumb thing. If I fucked up like, at something, I don't is feel that bad really? for someone who takes frequent Uber rides and then like loses two hundred and fifty dollars. Obviously, they have the income to be able to afford the, these frequent Uber rides and like. No, I don't think he has the two hundred fifty dollars. I think that he doesn't <laughs> drive a car. And but like, if I'm sorry, if that happened to me, Christina, would you really be like, oh well? 
No, you would be like, oh my God, that sucks. I feel bad. I don't know. I mean, like for you, yeah, I don't know. You're asking, I, I don't know. I have a hard time. I don't know. You have a hard time feeling empathy for, for others? like silly, for like <laughs> silly mistakes. Like what that. do you for think, For silly Liz? mistakes like that? Yeah, I do. I have a hard time feeling empathy for that. I feel empathy for it, but at the same time, it's just so hard for me to put myself in that position because I'm such a control freak yeah. that I can't imagine like allowing it to get that far. And also, what the fuck at the Uber driver not being That's like, what I'm saying. You're trying to go to New Mexico. That's what I knew the Uber driver he had to have known. Christina, it's fine. <laughs> I just think honestly, like in life, especially for all people, like everyone makes mistakes. Like that's just a shitty one. I'm just like, I'm a little bit blown away at like the, uh, like, I mean, it's, this isn't, again, it's not headline news. I don't think this is like, I don't feel terrible for him, but I feel bad anytime someone makes a mistake and is screwed over. I'm like, oh, that sucks. You made a mistake. Yeah. I don't know if I would see it as him being screwed over. So maybe he screwed himself over but yeah. like point is he made a mistake I still feel bad for that mistakes aren't I don't never feel like good someone made a mistake I don't feel good that he made the mistake but I just don't feel that bad for it either he's 19 okay the kids can fucking barely put their socks on these days okay <laughs> so anyway I'm just glad honestly that he's ubering because I don't think a 19 year old should even be on the road I think we are way too quick to give young people without frontal lobes heavy machinery that can kill like dozens of people in one foul swoop i feel that way about old people oh that's oh. That, of course Wait, everyone feels I that have, way my grandmother has a degenerative eye condition and she's been going blind for a very long time and she went to renew her license just so she would like have an id even though she hadn't been driving you know for years and my cousin took her and led her around the DMV <laughs> and like filled out her information and she got her license. Wow. Wow. But like luckily she doesn't drive. Yeah, that's uh that's a Mr. Magoo that's situation. That's scary. I yeah, I think um my I think I'm going to say it. My if when I'm mayor of Glendale, you can drive from 25 to 65. Anything before that, I don't trust your judgment and anything after that, you like just don't have like well, you start to lose judgment. I think after 65, you should be able to drive. You just should have to do like an eye test and a driver's test every two years. There's that. I agree. I think it should be more than every two years because when people start to degenerate, man, they fucking go way down real quick. I'm going to yeah. be in a nursing home by year's end. I can promise you that. <laughs> um, wait a minute. I have a question for Please Advise Nation and also you too. So, like, I think I'm going to go see my Italian couple that I met in Japan in Italy. Yeah. That's, like, my goal. Okay. But, as you know, Chris, Christina, as I told – So, thank God I didn't wind up gambling on the Super Bowl because I came into a check, which I think might be the, my parents dissolving what was supposed to be our will or something. I don't know. It's a check made out to me and my stepdad from an insurance company. Um and it's sizable. And I really, really want to go on like a bomb ass vacation. And so I was mm -hmm. looking up, you know, like I just need to travel more. Like I'm a fucking single lady. Like it's part of like the creative process. This is the benefit of not being married and having kids is like getting to yeah. roam, yeah. you know? Yeah. My house is like the one thing that I feel like that all the time. Like I'm not uh, taking advantage of like my singleness. Yeah. But then I am because I'm not doing anything is like taking advantage of it. No, too. totally. And like every married woman I know who's like in her 30s are, is just like, you're living my dream. 
like you have you you're like you're okay like you're doing okay you get to do your creative projects you're in a house by yourself like no one has to talk to you you don't have to ask anyone's permission like this is a great time I'm gonna enjoy it while I'm still able-bodied before I go to the nursing home (laughs) I'm gonna gonna be getting some real good time in so I'm thinking I kind of want to go to the Dominican Republic, but I don't know the best time of year. I'll ask my sister-in-law. I kind of want to go to those good old Galapagos Islands. Okay. Because. Old turtles. Why? Do you hate the Galapagos Islands? No, I'm like jealous. That's like a uh, jealousy. Les, no, you can come. Apparently, according to an Uber driver. See, this is why I thought of the Galapagos Islands. Okay. Because I said to him, like, you know, I was telling him about my Japan trip and how like kind of pricey and what an unexpected, like, just like how pricey it was. And he was like, where I'm from, go to the Galapagos Islands two weeks. He's like, you have a thousand. He's like, you have two thousand dollars in the Galapagos Islands. You'll live like a a king for two weeks. He's like, you could even do a month with that amount. And I was like, that's what I need to be looking for is places. Because Iceland, big lie. It's so expensive once you get there. It's a really cheap flight, but yeah. then it's super expensive. You could do Thailand, which is a super expensive flight, but a very cheap. That's the thing. Most of these places are going to be like a, a an expensive flight. Maybe but not coming cheap. out of LAX. That's true. But I mean, it's still, you're going to Asia. Anywhere to Asia. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's going to be You should set one of pricey. those, like, flight deal, like, Oh, I got things. them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. On that. Yeah. And I was thinking about also doing, like, a package on kayak, which I want to know from people. Did you like regrettable? Because I feel like I would hate to feel stuck somewhere if I got there. Yeah. And when people start promising you meals and shit, it can go downhill real yeah. fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the only thing that I would, I mean, I always use kayak. To, you know, I always use third-party sites to do everything. Yeah. But package-wise for a vacation, I would be very hesitant to use anything but somebody that can guarantee me that they'll refund my money or accommodate me separately if I am international and some shit goes sideways. That's a really you know good what I call. Because kayak, like my, similarly, I had a friend that was in Spain or somewhere and something happened with the hotel that he booked on Expedia and he couldn't even find an international number to call them. And then once he got a hold of Expedia, it was like a whole big thing because it was, you know what I mean? That it sounds like a it's nightmare. Not, it's not a travel agent. Yeah. Like it's. Like, I would do a package, but only through, like, a company that has me sign a contract that says, like, no matter what happens, like, you're taken care of while you're on this trip. Like, even if it's not exactly what we're promising now, like, if something happens, like, we'll accommodate you this way. And that's hard and to guarantee. Kayak, that's yeah, Dr. Laura's husband died, that. and they wouldn't even refund her tickets for Hawaii. The, like, he, they, he died the week that they were supposed to go to Hawaii. And, like, the insurance company fucking dicked Dr. Laura around for, like, months on that. Yeah. And, like, she yeah. she fully called them out on the air. And I was like, damn. Like, that, first of all, that is, like, that's bad news. Yeah. To not, like, when someone's like, yo, we're not going on this vacation because one of the four people going died. Like, you got to give that money back. You know, that's what insurance is for. Like, truly, when someone's in the newspaper for dying, it pretty much is like, okay, that's the reason why you have this insurance at all. And I I do book through, like, I booked all of my hotels separately in Japan through Expedia, but I just would never, I don't know if I can trust, unless it's like a Mexican resort, I don't know if I can trust all-inclusive or, like, package anywhere. Well, 
that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, in hotels, it's like, whatever. Because worst comes to worst is like, especially in a place like Japan, like, you'll hop on Airbnb. You know what I mean? And like, you'll figure it out at a later date. But like, a package where like, things are promised to you. It's like, yeah, uh, I don't know. That's it's it it's was a little Caroline Calloway. Like, I will say I, it, I yeah, over promise under deliver. <laughs> I would do if I was going to do like a package deal, I would look for like a tour company that like is reputable because like say for Italy, like they do, you know what I mean? Like they're, I don't think you'd want to go on a guided tour, but like there are, but a company like that, that like sells packages and that's like what they do and not just like kayak, like here's this thing that we're offering. Although I have a friend that did, they went to the Dominican Republic using a Groupon for like an all-inclusive and they said it was great that's great yeah because and by the way I just want to let people know this isn't an insane travel budget I have I just am trying to like actually use my money to better myself yeah as opposed to like you know while I can while I can go to Central America go to Costa Rica go to Guatemala I've been to Guatemala it's great um and Central America is like not that expensive to get to and cheap when you're there yeah that's what uh, I, I need Puerto to Rico. I need to be hitting up more continents man yeah that's what I'm here love, for is continent love Central love. America or yeah South America the only thing is it's like obviously if you go to the Galapagos Islands it's just gonna cost a lot of money to get there like not insane insane but you know over a thousand dollars insane in the membrane I yeah mean, i have a thousand crazy, dollar but, like i feel credit. like you'd have a good time in australia oh no and i have like yeah. homies in australia yeah. too like yeah. what's up steph um steph you should listen to her podcast hysteria um she's one of my favorites um we met at the work it thing um, uh i just love that you like nair 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 um what the fuck like <laughs> I'm like, do you not Yay. hear how you sound? Like, they're like, there's no R. I'm like, dog, you're saying an R. Like, yeah. there's, <laughs> there's no R and no. Uh, Molly was talking to two Australians and, 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 and. They were like, do an impression. And I was like, nair, nair. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next call. I guess to our, our person here, you know, maybe one other thing I can suggest. Maybe you should travel more too. Like, you know, start to see that people are fucking pieces of shit all over the world. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that, like, also, like, when you really, like, broaden your horizons, I will tell you, I look at Americans yeah. very differently than the more time I spend out of the country because I'm like, oh, dog, like, we're just, like, truly, we're young. Like, yeah. we're young, wild, and free. We're, like, fucking yeah. the... We are, like, the shitty 12-year-olds of the world. We're, like, also, slutty 12-year-olds. Very obviously the Puritan part of it really comes, shines through if you're like in a p- place like France. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the cultural thing is really, yeah. And it's really indicative that like Americans actually travel at least like globally out of most countries. Yeah. <laughs> Who said there wasn't history in LA? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's take our next call. Hey, well, it's Christina, I guess. I have a question about a friend I made. Uh, I met her at work but we didn't become friends until afterwards. Found out she lived like a mile from my house, so I thought it was really nice to have someone close. She had just moved to the area, and um, we got kind of close over a few months, and then she started flaking on me. Like, every time we went out, we'd go somewhere. She'd have me drive, and then she'd immediately come up with an emergency to leave. And that wasn't even the kicker for me. Um, I slowly found out that she was part of a white supremacist group. She sort of got roped into it, but stayed. 
and she doesn't exactly denounce it. She sort of makes excuses for it, and the more information I got, the more uncomfortable I was with it. Um, I really don't want to be a jerk and ghost her, but I've, I've backed off because of all these things, and I don't know how to respond to her text because she texts me asking where I'm at, how I'm doing, and I respond, but it's I don't want to make it obvious that I'm just ignoring her or how do I ignore her. I just don't feel comfortable with the things she's told me. And I don't really want to get close to it. Um, yes, please advise. Hi, I just called about the mm, white supremacist friend. And I just wanted to add that a couple other people from our job were also friendly with her. And when I voiced my concerns with them, they were also... They felt the same way, and they were basically telling me that they were waiting for me to figure it out um, about her flakiness and all the weird stuff she says. Um, Liz, go. <laughs> Girl, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I'm listening. I'm like, oh, she's flaky. I know. Isn't that so annoying? <laughs> and then what do you mean she's a white supremacist? And, like, like she got and- into it and, like, kind of did Like, is she a proud boy? like info needed like is this like she just like casually supports trump which like we're not here for anyway but like is that what you mean or do you mean she's like full-on alt-right like wearing a hood in like the garage yeah i mean not saying like it's either is fine but like what are we working with here second of all like maybe she's just been red-pilled you know? Yeah, the, I was also thinking, <laughs> I was going to say that. Like, is she red-pilled? Um, I just wasn't sure how much you guys have talked about You know I'm red-pill now. Well, I'm red-pill. <laughs> Molly, Dr. Laura is a real red-pill influencer. I know like she is. No, I'm not I'm not a red-pill. But I follow the Reddit heavily, and I will say yeah. you do start to wonder where real suggest, life ends and begins, you know? I suggest following on Reddit the blue pill because they pull, like, the best of the worst you know and then you're reading it with like you read the highlights but then you're also reading like their critique of it at the same time so your brain doesn't get all mashed up with it because your brain Um, gets mashed man like at a certain point on the men going their own way for them i'm like yeah fucking women are bitches and then i'll be like wait a minute molly (laughs) you know any to any rhetoric i read for long enough you can get me on board with it yeah i know i mean i'm please Remember when Larry, the One Direction thing was real? Like, I'd read those tumblers. I'd be like, I guess they are dating. Yeah. (laughs) And I also, well, also I stand uh, Taylor Swift and Carly Kloss. Like, they are definitely dating. Like, probably still. Oh, I read a blind item on Lipstick Alley this week that said that she hooked up with someone in Taylor Swift's inner circle and that she... Taylor and Carly like hooked up for a little bit and that Taylor is by, but like it was nothing that serious. Love that. Can we get back yeah. to the, yeah, like, all right, the white fine. Yeah, we just need to talk about I the mean, nuances of beliefs. That's all. I don't I don't have advice beyond like be grateful that she's flaky and that you don't have to like end the friendship anymore than like you would have you know what I mean? Like, thank God this isn't a friend that like was a really really good friend and then you found their like their anonymous reddit where they're like being (laughs) all right on and then you're like god now i've done the friendship with someone i like like just 
your friendship's done with this girl. Like, bye-bye. I, the part where she's saying she's having a hard time ignoring her, though, it's oh like, this is a classic. There's an easy answer to it. Garfunkel and Oates song said it best, but it's like, fade away. Like, you know, yeah. you got to reach out less and less. But unfortunately, you know, you like at most jobs in this country, you cannot fire someone for having fucked up politics. You just Does she can't. still work there? It I actually think seems- it needs to be like an emphatic like, I don't really mess with your point of view of the world. And then like That's you true. both like sh- shoot down like her ideology while yeah. also like having a Over very text. clear end but do to you like do that whatever the situation workplace? is. I think you, if you I, don't do it in the workplace, but you have to like eventually do it. I mean, this is the thing about conquering like white supremacy as well. It's I like, agree. You really can't yeah. do There's Don't be polite to white supremacists. Yeah. Right. I think that you send I'm, a text. I, I don't agree with not being polite to them. I also just know that if that carries over into the workplace, like I don't think that with alt-right people, you're dealing with a full deck of cards, man. Like, oh, no. And so I, there are certain times when people, I will definitely call people out. But there are certain times when remarks are made that I can tell all they're trying to do is like incite some sort of anger in me and and get that reaction and and get into a fight. And I'm I know she's not there with this girl yet, but I do I wouldn't be surprised if it became it because she already believes in some extreme shit. Right. So what I would say is just go to her and be like, I really, really don't believe I don't my my life, my beliefs do not align with what you are involved with. And it's actually offensive to me. We can and work together, but if, I can't. If you are you. if you are and I like if you are a person and I'm open to listening to you, if you are trying to change your beliefs or trying because it sounded like she was roped in into a community, just have a sense of That's place what or whatever. I need to it's know. like bullshit or whatever. But you, if you want to be like, hey, if you want to weigh out or want to talk to somebody You're about like, me. All, sorry, all, Christina's all hitting things, my chair. Um. Like there's an organization I was actually looking this up of like former white supremacists like they're reformed and like are trying to get people yeah. out of it. And um, Colin Kaepernick actually uh, like donated money to them. That's like, great. A while ago, it was called it's called Life After Hate. It's based in Chicago. Yeah. But you know you can offer an alternative and then just be like if you don't you know, want to change your beliefs, I, I can't really like associate with you. Well, you know, really one of my not. friends was in the Westboro Baptist Church, right, yeah. Megan? And like she's phenomenal and has had a total turnaround and it's fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, but I do want to know like how someone kind of gets looped into white supremacy, especially like it almost sounds like it could be tied to like an MLM or something. Like so, it's like you join this thing with the hopes of like and then like slowly the propaganda starts to come out after you're involved with it for like a free time activity. Like maybe she's on a fucking kickball team that she realized after like, oh, shit, these people are white supremacists. Yeah. So it was like and the guy I, who started I'm not that organization she's right. that I mentioned actually was writing a book and he gave a bunch of interviews last year and he talked about like how he was lured into white, like being in a white supremacist group. And he actually like was ended up being like a leader of sorts. How did he get in? Um, basically, they kind of like played into like having a sense of community and a sense of pride in yourself. So they yeah. played on his Italian cause he was Italian. So they they played on his Italian pride. Oh, I heard him on NPR. Be- yeah. Yeah. It was the NPR <laughs> interview. His name is Christian yeah. Piccolini or something like that. Yeah. He was upset when they started talking about Italians and he's like, my daughter's Italian. Like that's when he like left. Yeah. That, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And like having pride in yourself, in your I heritage. I see it on like, 60 and then Days like, In. That's how like the entire. great because yeah. we've done all these things in the mm-hmm. world. And like it kind of just, it's a weird thing. And then like some people just straight up are hateful, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know. It could be either or situation. But like, I think you it kind of does have to be addressed. Like, I think ghosting is kind of like 
you know, I don't know. I, I understand like the reasons for it, especially because it's a work situation and it's awkward, but it's also just like you kind of have to be upfront with a white supremacist about why you're not. You're right. Fucking I agree. I think that realistically, like if your job is not on the line, you know, like if your job is not on the line for confronting her, if it is like, I don't know if it's the best idea, but if your job is not on the line, send her a text. You don't have to confront her in person. It doesn't have to be a fight, but you can just be mm. straight up like, Look, I don't agree with your beliefs, and I don't really want to continue a friendship outside of work because of it. I would and say do not put that in writing, honey. She could take that to I, HR. I, it's a it's a lesson I have learned over don't the years writing, the hard her. way. Put shit. You know what? Write it. Write it or say it. Forget it. Write it. Regret it. Dorinda That's Medley. True. Okay, then straight up tell her. But I'm not sure like how you get. Go out and you tell her. Oh, okay, it sounds like enough. hell. Like it sounds yeah. like I don't envy this girl's situation. I mean, she's obviously incredible. Like this is a, obviously a big kind of new conversation for her. She practically whispered white supremacy, like as if you know, just the thought of saying it is offensive. And like I think that's obvious. She's not comfortable around this kind of dialogue at all. So like, what's a good starter kit for her? Because. It's it's one thing to do what Christina just said. It's an you know, it's an it's it's really hard to confront people that are that you know are ignorant. So there's yeah. there's a book I I've talked about this book before, White Fragility. Mm-hmm. Um I'm completely forgetting on the author's name right now, but you can google it. It's called White Fragility. And it is basically about how to talk to white people about race mm-hmm. and like how to kind of get them to understand like the bigger structure that's involved but do you think this girl is going to like be able to read that book and then apply it to the world because i would be surprised i feel like that that that's a that is caller yes i think that that is like that would be like a moon landing for her that's an emotional moon landing she has to get there like right now she's still floating around in that nasa space simulator she like is interested and intrigued but like that's some like NBA level shit. Like when you're really out here talking to like another white person because you read a whole ass book on white fragility, which I think everyone should get to. I've been meaning to buy it on Audible myself because I don't like I listen to stuff all the time. But um, like what's where's like the where's the starting like what's the, what are the breadcrumbs we can give her as opposed to like the whole ass I mean, loaf? there's some really there's some really like Rachel Cargill is a good follow on Twitter and she writes a lot about race. But um, Twitter, she, yeah, is a great yeah. place to start. And um, she she wrote a really great article last year about how to confront your family members about, you know, Trump and white supremacy stuff at Thanksgiving. And it was like in Vogue or one of those, uh, you know, places um, but it was really great start at just like how to approach those ideals or, you know, not really like be blunt about it, depending on what you want, but like start reading writers like that. You can find adjacent writers through like Twitter and other like look at who she retweets and then look at those who they retweet and like kind of go and look at that. that become sort of, familiar with become that familiar community. with that community and those writers. But also like, you know, there, there are probably some really great white people who speak to this as well. Um yeah, it, it, obviously the burden shouldn't be on, the, on those who are oppressed. Um, but like, if you want to get a place to get started, like Rachel Cargill is like a really good uh, writer. That's a great suggestion because I do think like you're right. Like an overall education on this stuff is important, but not everyone's going to do that, and certainly not everyone can do that and apply it in a day. Like, there's a lot of things that are also like dangerous if someone's underinformed on it and they start going yeah. off on some stuff. And you, I feel like I see that a lot where I'm like, 
oh my God, just because you're blank, 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 or blank does not mean you speak for every marginalized person. Or yeah, like, that was a lesson I had to this learn. This is a tacky look. This really is a fun. bad look. You yeah. know, you know who I'm talking about, Christina. Like, I've got a pet project, a little someone that I check in on that I'm like, bitch, like, stop thinking that you speak for everyone. Like, you're out of your mind. Um, and I think her intentions are good, but I also think it's a little bit performative. And where you find that is where you also find a lot of misinformation. So Twitter can be a great resource, but don't just follow any, like, quote unquote, woke person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there's also a really great writer named Layla F. Saad. That's S-A-A-D. And she wrote, uh, she has this workbook called Me and White Supremacy. And mm -hmm. it's basically like a P you can get when you sign up for her newsletter, you get a PDF. That's this workbook. And it really kind of challenges like how to see yourself within the machinations of uh, like white supremacy. I need a PDF. Yeah. Can you fill it out online? Do I have to print it? Um, I'm I, not going to Kinko's. <laughs> I'll print. I'll print it out. For okay, you. yeah. Print me out a PDF of yeah. my racial um, quiz. But like, like, look at those kinds of writers. Look who they're following and who they're retweeting. Kind of like, just learn from there. But I yeah. mean, that's like a bigger conversation that I don't think she necessarily needs to get into with this girl. Yeah. But um, to understand your role in it and also not to be complicit, it's important to to remember that. Yeah. Um, and learn a little bit about yourself because I do think that like. Basically, like, let's say we're all like born obese, right? In this in this metaphor I'm making, like you have to work up to being a very physically fit, engaged person that gets something out of working out. Right. So like one would say, start with a walk up and down the street and like that's and then, you know, then go longer then do this. And I think that like educating yourself on this stuff for most people, especially those of us who are not in the echo chamber, which yeah. it doesn't sound like she is like we got to like, I want to help her find like her walk down the street, basically, that's eventually going to lead to her running a marathon. But like you have to really I think I think sometimes there can be a misinterpretation about where everyone starts. And like, I think everyone should get to the place of reading books like this white fragility thing. But that's very daunting for a lot of people. It's like you can't tell a morbidly obese person you got to run a marathon by the end of the month. You know, they have to start training for that mm. you know because i don't think necessarily concepts are are going to hit home with someone unless they start practicing it in their life like eradicating this racist friend from their life yeah. you know yeah and that doesn't mean we shouldn't all like catch up i just like when i'm when i'm reading what i read out there from like hateful people which is why i also i seek it out because i want to know how hateful people are um it's really I really I'm like, how would they how would they start? You know, how would you get a person like that started? Because having a black friend doesn't make someone not racist. Yep. You know, having, having an, black kids doesn't make someone not. Absolutely. Racist. Absolutely. Being black doesn't make someone not racist. Like that's it's there is a there's, you know, by the way, everyone needs to watch Trigger Warning with Killer Mike. Like get fucking involved with that show. It is so great. I, f I feel like also our caller needs to get more angry like on behalf of people like really understand like what white supremacy is getting after yeah. and like and I think that anger will fuel your sort of indecisiveness about how to handle it and I'm not saying go off the handle but like start like integrating different points of view into your into your mind I would say that's a good jumping off point like literally just fucking watch an episode of television that discuss discusses race issues. They take it in, you know, be thoughtful about it. I, I thought trigger warning was great, by the way, just like the way they kind of tackled 
everything. I think Killer Mike has a brilliant mind. Wesley Morris is another good writer. He writes for the New York Times and he also does a podcast um, called, oh shoot. <laughs> yeah, the more audio and visual stuff too, because I feel like reading is also, if someone's not inclined to read naturally, which we have to a face is true. Is, most are people like are, most people. Still Processing is the name of the podcast. Still Processing. Yeah, yeah the more we can, Oh yeah, I like that pod. Yeah, yeah it's, like with, it's like with kids, like you give them puppet shows and like shit like that to learn lessons. People learn very, on the element Entry level people really learn by taking in media that's and then they well, that's graduate the thing that I try to get at a lot of times is like think about you know the media that you consume who's hosting the shows that you watch who's hosting the podcasts that you listen to right. is it all white voices mm-hmm. you're probably only getting really one perspective of things like push yourself to listen to things that like feature another voice feature another insight and you really open up your world to a totally different lens I feel you and this is why I work in audio a little bit is to like open that up a little bit more Mm-hmm. Um, and so that we have a little bit more perspective and representation that's more like equitable to what's actually in the United States. And and I think and I think that like Christina, you bring such a valuable voice to the show for a variety of reasons. But I also feel like when we get a call like this, it's because people know you're here. You know, a little bit. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, I'm not perfect. Oh, I know. And I think it. there there have been times where we've gotten calls like this. And like I haven't answered it in the right way. There are times where I feel like I'm like the minority spokesperson sometimes because I am often the only person of color in a room a lot of times in my professional and personal life. We try our best here. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, will say absolutely. Um, and so like I I've had to take that into my 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 consideration. Maybe like people wouldn't have this offered the same advice that I would, and also like my my uh, life experience as a Latinx person in the United States is very different than, from that of a black person in the United States. It's very different from that of an Asian person in the United States. And so like my experience, it's different from other Puerto Ricans in the United States. You know what I mean? Um, and other you know Latinx people in the United States. I don't have an immigration story. My you know my family all came here legally because they were United States citizens. So my story looks a lot different. So there's a lot of things that I have to take into consideration when I'm doing when I'm speaking on this um, to not overstep my bounds and realize like I have privilege as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just trying my best, and I, I hope people recognize that. And like I hope people take in what I say when I share really personal things that have hurt me or things that I'm learning from or you know, materials that I'm reading that I'm finding really I helpful. I don't think anyone who listens to this show wouldn't see both of us have grown a lot, <laughs> yeah. but specifically the way that you kind of come into your own. I mean, we're yeah. very different people from when we started this, yeah, you yeah. know? Yeah. And like, you certainly have had that. your fucking split personality over here changed in a month. <laughs> um, like Christina went on vacation and came back a different person. <laughs> yeah. Um, but all of that said, uh, yeah, call us and update us about this um, because I'd love to know more of what you what you have to say about this and what happens. Yeah. And good luck. Yeah. Go, you know, start taking baby steps. Um, if anyone else has a suggestion, you can always leave us a voicemail about please this. Please do. Yeah. yeah. And like, well, like tweet us links to podcasts and stuff that you like. We'll totally share that. Yeah. Um, okay. Do you want to take another call? Yeah. Hey, Malls. Um, I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, I've called before and you've given some really awesome advice. So I figured in this situation, if anyone's going to be brutally honest, it's probably going to be you. So, um, I have this long running, like toxic relationship with my birth mother. Um, it, I kind of like cut ties. I want to say like six, seven years ago. Um, basically my childhood was like motherless. She took off when I was like, a year old, divorced my dad, and just, like, lived it up and partied, like, 
through the rest of her 30s, 40s. She's pushing 50 and still parties like a, a high schooler from like what I understand. Again, it's been like six years, so who knows what's changed in that time. Um, when I say toxic, like <clears throat> any time that like I spent time with her, I was actually not spending time with her. It was more like she would drop me off at grandma's house. She'd go get wasted, try to pick me up at three o'clock in the morning, drunk off her ass, driving me home. Um, like I want to say <laughs> the last conversation that I had with her, I'm like kind of jumping around. The last conversation I had with her was like a drunken email exchange. And I only know she was drunk because any time that she, like, calls or messages me or anything past, like, 10 o'clock at night, she's, like, belligerently drunk. Um, and basically, I told her, like, I've kind of had enough. Like, I've settled down into my life. Like, I, I, okay, so I'm uh, 30. So this six years ago, so whatever, math, 24 years old, I was kind of like, listen, mom, like, I, I don't want to, like, deal with the abuse anymore because she's verbally abusive, would tell me how sad I was all the time, tell me that I'm just like my father anytime I fuck up, and basically was just, like, really resentful because I grew up with my dad, even though she's the one that left me behind. Anyways, I'm sorry. I'm so rambling. Um, so, anyways, our last email exchange, she basically called me a fat bitch, told me to go lose some weight and grow up because I told her that I didn't want her in my life anymore. So, that was it. I was done. I changed my email, changed my phone number. Uh, my husband um, is in the military, and we got stationed, um, like, five states away from where I originally was. And it was great. She had no idea where I lived. She couldn't get a hold of me. Life was great. Like, I've never been so happy not having somebody in my life before. So fast forward to this week. Um, I have received three cards in the mail one from my birth mother's mother, um, a letter explaining that my mother's entitled to have a relationship with me and that I need to call and that she's very heartbroken that I cut her out of my life. Okay, I'm so sorry. Uh, voicemail cut me off for very good reason. I started rambling like a fucking idiot. Um, anyways, so my birth mother has tracked me down. She obviously did some kind of like background check report, I don't know, like public record, found me and is now blowing up my mailbox with Christmas gifts and letters, and I've returned sender to all of them. So um, I basically, like, looked at my husband. I was like, well, what the fuck do we do? Like, do I take legal action? Like, how do I, like, keep this woman out of my life? Like, I do not want her in my life. Well, part of, uh, like, my friend group is like, no, she's probably changed, and she wants to, like, make amends. Like, you should just hear her out and accept her back into your life. And then the other half of my friends are like, fuck that toxic whore. Like, she never did any justice for your life, only brought you down, only put you in unsafe situations, and you're a fucking 30-year-old woman. You do not – you're not required to have your mother in your life. So, basically, uh, I'm just looking for kind of some honest feedback of, like, if that was your mother, like, what would you do? I am kind of torn – because she's my birth mother, but at the same time, I really have, like, no paternal relationship with her, so I'm happier with her out of my life, but then part of me is like, okay, well, like, I have a son now, like, should he have his grandmother in his life, like, I don't know, I think that's, like, the emotional side of me is like, oh, maybe, and it gives it a second thought, but my logical side is like, fuck that bitch. 
So um, I hope you can do some awesome editing on that last message because, again, it's uh, very long. So anyways, yeah, uh, please advise. Thanks. First of all, be easy on yourself. Um, Normally, we do hate a long call, but typically it's because someone's just repeating that their friend got drunk and did something <laughs> 12 different ways. Yeah. This, I felt, was informative. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, I don't know. Like, then this happened. And, like, what do I'm I do? I'm just so confused. But <laughs> also, here's callers. this, like, completely, like, non Like, it just, yeah. So, um, God, I, I'm going to have to pull a Dr. Laura here and say, keep that person the fuck away from your kids. You have a family now, which is your husband and your child, and your duty is to be there for them. And your friends who are telling you that you think, you know, she's probably changed, you know, I don't think they're intent- intentionally being disrespectful, but I think that it wouldn't hurt you to let them know that, you know, fighting for a person because of like, you know, you only get one mother, like stuff like that. It's it's actually very dangerous for you. It's not, you know, you're not fucking around because she, you know, won't take the plastic off the furniture when you bring your boyfriend over. Like you guys are having a, this is a real issue with a toxic addict and a narcissistic codependent yes. mother, it sounds like. I mean, the mother's behavior in and of itself, like my dad was an addict and I cut him out of my life when I was 10. At 10 years old, I said, I never want to see him again, and I'm never going back. And I never did. I didn't go to his funeral. I didn't change my mind when I got older. The reality is, is that he made my life harder, and I just, I didn't, I didn't need that in my life. And unfortunately, you know, when you have to make a decision like that at a young age, it winds up obviously affecting a lot of your human relationships, because I can pretty easily shut someone out after a certain point of them hurting me. Like, I just won't ever pick up the phone again. But, um, yeah, I I don't think you're making the wrong move here. Liz, I want to know what more of what you think, especially coming from sort of like the mother's addiction side as well, because you are obviously very well schooled on that. Yeah, so I think that the main thing that I get from this caller is that she wants validation in her decision. And I want to give it to her. Like she is absolutely right. She made a choice. What did she say? Seven years ago. Yep. And she was right in that choice. I think it's very important to remember that most people don't know what it's like to have a mother that they need to cut off. And I think that that is one of the hardest things when you don't have that I think it can be very hard for people to put themselves mm-hmm. in their sh- in those shoes. Yeah. So they people always want to really be like time with that. They're they always, always just like, no, be like, but family's no. family. And I'm like, no, yeah. sometimes family's trash. Like, yeah. 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 And I just think it's like, it's literally, and I don't necessarily blame those people because we are socialized from the moment we're born yep. to think that like you should forgive family yep. and that family over everything and that mothers are a certain way and that mothers are this or fathers are this or brothers are that like everything everything sets you up like in television and film and fairy tales yeah. and stories that like your parents are there to protect you. And then I think obviously that sets up um, a lot of really easy opportunities for disappointment because you're not that Disney Channel family. You're not yeah. that. No one's ever going to be. So I think it also hinders us from connecting to strangers, really being able to trust people because you only think that like family is the only one who really gets like the full you and will only be the ones who will be you there. You can for always you. be yourself with your family. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, those are the only people who are really going to be there for you when you're going through shit because they're they're like some sort of like blood obliga- obligation to do so. Yeah. And that's not always true. 
yeah, yeah, so I just think it's like when people tell you that, I don't think they're coming from a bad place necessarily. They're just, it's so hard to understand unless you have been in that situation. It's almost like when you're looking at an abusive relationship and you're like, well, why didn't you just leave? And it's like, you don't even understand. Yeah. So honestly, like, write off those people's opinions. <laughs> like, they don't get it. And that's okay. They don't need to get it. It is a tall bad order friends. to ask someone to understand that. And it's unfortunate, yeah. but it is. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they're bad friends or bad people. They just don't get it. Um, I also think, like, with the grandmother that – Grandma's never going to have a unbiased opinion on her daughter. She doesn't get it either. You don't have to, anybody who doesn't get it, you don't have to take their opinion into consideration. I also think like if she was genuinely trying to make amends, like you would know. There would be a letter that comes to you that like outlines everything wrong that she did, you know, not an email at midnight where she's obviously drunk, but like there would be genuine efforts to make amends. And also like, you don't have even it let's say like she was like she's sober and she wants to make amends like that doesn't if you don't want to accept that like you don't have to accept that like you don't have even if she is like has changed like okay so what thank you, you still Liz. want yeah. her in your life that's a like that's you, oh sorry go ahead i was just like everybody gets the choice of who they accept in their lives and some people like your mother made a choice when you were one years old to drop you off with your dad and never come back essentially. And if the consequence for that for her is that she never gets to have a relationship with you again, like then that's the consequence. And even if she's sober and changed, like she still needs to deal with and live with that consequence because it was her decision to make regardless of what other factors made her make that decision. And it's not on you to relieve her of that consequence if you don't want to, you know, and like, it's you're you get to decide like do I want to have this woman in my life and it does not sound like you want to and all it sounds like is that you have a lot of guilt from people around you telling you that you should have her in your life but it sounds like you know that you don't want her and it's not on you to just like be like okay well I guess I have to forgive her no she's made all the choices that have pushed you out of her life and I think you made the right decision cutting her off seven years ago and I think anybody who doesn't get that can Get bent. Yeah, I agree. I've I I I have two points to make. One, I think it can be very frustrating at a certain point when like a friend is sort of making excuses for why like what you're doing like doesn't make sense to them. Um mm-hmm. and it can be very frustrating because it's like, dude, fucking stand up for me. Like stand like, you know, if anyone else was like in my life that was being abusive and harmful, <clears throat> you would tell me to get you would tell them to like, you know. I I need to let go of them. But it's this relationship in particular, as you said, can be really hard for people to swallow that pill. And like, I understand I would be fucking outright angry at at some time. So that's that's valid in working towards sort of like forgiveness, as Liz said, is huge. But the thing that you said, Liz, that like really like hit me in my gut was like someone needs to tell you all of the reasons why they're sorry. Like. People are are really like they ask for forgiveness without sort of listing off their bad behavior and what it is you're forgiving them for. And I feel like that's a really easy way for that person to not actually face the reality of what they did. And people don't like to live knowing that they made mistakes. People hate it, especially if you're talking about someone who's narcissistic. It's really difficult for them to accept that they made a mistake. And I like if if 
your mom ever does come become sober, I wouldn't be surprised if it almost got worse before it got better mm. because she's probably going to be like, well, I'm full mind. And like this little fucking bitch daughter of mine hasn't that been there, you cloud, know, yeah. but I think that when she's if if you guys ever do get to that place and I and I would be really surprised if you did, unfortunately, um, you know, she's going to have to come with a, with a prepared list of like her. Of the reasons why she fucked up. Well, and, that's how you make amends in yeah. the twelve step program is that you like list off everything that you've that you remember that you've done and you like speci- are specific. And then at the end, you say like, "Is there anything that I have forgotten or I haven't included that you feel that I need to make amends for?" Like you give them the opportunity to be like, "Yeah, you did this, this, and this." Actually. This season on Teen Mom OG, Tyler's dad, Butch, made amends to him. And at the end, Tyler was like, that's it. Yeah. Like, you left out so much stuff. And he had a chance to be like, this is what you left out. Like, and Butch was like, I honestly, like, forgot about that stuff. And it's true because, like, especially when you're, like, terrorizing people, you just forget. And, and like, when you're using, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, like, if she didn't come to you with, like, a like a very specific like this is everything that I've done wrong and this is how I want to make a better then she's actually not making amends to you and I just want to reiterate even if she did that you don't have to accept her you don't have to say like I personally am a big believer in like personal forgiveness but it's for me not for the other person yeah um so I think like forgiving her like in your heart will be helpful just you know to live a happier more productive life but that doesn't mean that you have to allow her back in your life. Like she could do a complete 180 and be like a whole different person. And you can still be like, okay, but like you weren't here for 30 years and I'm just not really interested in starting a relationship with you right now. You have every right. And don't let anybody tell you that you like have to accept anyone's apology ever for anything. Mm -hmm. You know, like we don't owe anybody our friendship or a relationship, especially if they've harmed us. Like you don't, don't have to do that and we have this like idea in society that like somebody says sorry and then you have to be their friend again or their daughter again and like that's not that's not true like just because somebody says sorry doesn't mean that you need to then accept them back in your life like she's made her decisions and the effect of them is that like she doesn't have a relationship with you or her grandson and that's you're allowed to say that and you're allowed to have that boundary and don't let people bully you into thinking differently truly that's like basically what they're doing they're trying to especially your grandmother is trying to bully you into believing that like you owe her anything and you don't owe her shit not a thing you don't owe her shit you and like that's a big thing in um in the 12 steps is like they tell you like people don't owe you their forgiveness right you know what i mean and like it's a consequence and she has to deal with the consequence of not being in your life and i think that you made the right choice and fuck her yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think personal forgiveness is like such a great way to put that is that, you know, it doesn't feel good to move forward with the grudge, but not just because you have like decided, okay, like I'm going to move on from that doesn't mean that like you actually have to in- engage with this person yeah, anymore, yeah. but just come to peace with it. I think that's such great advice, Liz. And I'll tell you something else. If anyone out there is like judging like this girl, this girl's like my mom's a crazy whore or whatever she called her. Like, do you know like what like place you have to put a human in before like they say something like that? Like no person wants to be like my mom's a fucking bitch 
Like no one wants, I don't think people naturally are inclined to say that. Like I could kind of feel like her sort of like, I don't know how else to put it, but she's just like a crazy fucking bitch. And like that sucks to have to say, like it sucks to have to get to a place where you're comfortable saying something like that. Um, yeah, I also want to point out that um, caller, I like really genuinely feel for you on how hard it is to cut out a parent and like that you're going back. And I want to say like, it's okay that you're going back and forth, you know, and that you're wavering on your decision and you're not so sure mm. and that you'll let her in and then you mm. cut her off again. I think that's very natural. I think that that is like, I think there are very few people in this world who go no contact with their parents and stay no contact for the rest of their lives. I think that it's a protection, you know, it's a protection. And like, that's, you know, I mean, there are plenty of people who have to do it because, you know, it's just a process. It's a process. Like it's okay that it's a learning curve. And I think what I'm saying is that like, I get why you're going back and forth and that it's very hard and like, don't beat yourself up for like, Oh, well, I let her back into my life and I fucked up and I shouldn't have even talked to her. It's like, it's okay. You fucked up. You talked to her again. Like, that's fine. You can stop talking. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying going no contact is very hard. It's so easy to be like, cut her off. Go no contact. Yeah. But like, it's a process and it's probably going to be in a process until she dies. You know, yeah. like. And and if anyone has a problem with like you preventing a relationship with your son, just tell them that you love your son. And yeah. that you wouldn't put your son in a position that you yourself have a difficult time handling. Like, there's no reason why this needs to carry on to another generation of trauma and pain. Because, you know, if she's if she's an alcoholic who's not present and gets belligerent and starts pointing fingers, um, your son will absorb that behavior. And it will happen in front of him at some point. So, yeah. And then you're doing the right thing, girl. Um, Liz, thank you for doing this episode. Thanks for having me. Are we going to be wrapping it up, Chris? Uh, we got one more call. One more? Yeah, one more call and oh. then wrap it up. Okay, cool. I'm starting to get a lot of texts, so I'm wondering if Eden's here. Yeah, but... we got like 10 minutes. Okay, okay, cool. Hey, Malls, Christina, Rags, guest, and Ed, because I love Ed. Um, I'm 25 from Houston, and I just have kind of like maybe an easier question. I used to love, like, the Kardashians and, you know, Paris Hilton, my new BFF and stuff, like, in high school, and now I just really haven't watched much TV since probably when I graduated in 2011-ish, just because I love podcasts, because I can go from room to room and listen, I love audiobooks, and I just haven't sat down to watch TV in forever, and it just seems like a task sometimes, but anyways, so I always kind of have, like, like, I feel like I'm missing out when everyone on all my podcasts I love, like, talks about these housewives. And the great work talks about the housewives, Vanderpump, and I'm clueless. So if someone who has never watched an episode of any of that, what season do you suggest I watch? What um, city, I guess? Like, I think I'm just, like, I assume I can on to Lou or something, probably. So I was just guess. I guess I just want, like, a starting point of where do I start my reality TV journey with Housewives or something Bravo-y related. Thanks. Okay. I'm just going to say watch Vanderpump. It's, yes. I, I think it's running on fumes right now. I'm like over yes. it. Ugh. 
Small's so over it. I, over I wish it. we had another half an hour to talk about this, but I do need to eat my mushroom egg before we record the next podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, I also would say Real Housewives in New York is one not to miss. What about you? Okay. I was going to say watch Vanderpump Rules season one because I think it's the easiest and has the one of the best first seasons. And Great. it's like, it's very, you know, you don't need to watch any of the other housewives to like understand what's going on in Vanderpump Rules. And it's just easy to watch. So I would say Vanderpump Rules season one. Also, Real Housewives in New Jersey season one is right. like an ex- probably the best first season of any housewives. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say Vanderpump Rules season one, Real Housewives in New Jersey season one. And then just see how you're feeling, you know? And yeah. then you can go to New York. Atlanta's great too. But I would definitely say like if you're just looking to like jump into something that has like a good first season to really hook your interest – Vanderpump Rules in New Jersey. Yeah, I would stick with like some of the earlier Real Housewives before you branch out to like, because once you get to Beverly Hills and stuff, it's insane and you're not really like getting the true essence of the franchise, which I think definitely Mm -hmm. exists in in both New York and Jersey. I know everyone wants me to watch OC, but um, (sighs) everyone says with OC that you should start at season three. Um, Yeah, that's correct. Well, except me because I'm like a purists and I can't watch anything unless I watch from the very first episode I've had I would also say like maybe you don't even have to do housewives like if you want something that's like a little crazier you could do 90 day fiance and start before Mm. the 90 days I would also say love after lockup I'm like kind of obsessed with and you can start on season one there but definitely like Vanderpump Rules is probably the most easily digestible yeah especially you're 25 that's like how old most of them are in the first season like it's definitely season one of that is like very easy to take in. Yeah. And I would say once you get a little bit more advanced, you can't go wrong with 60 days in. Like yeah, if there's well, a part yeah. of you that loves documentaries. If you're a human drama type of person, like 60 days in is incredible. Um, probably wouldn't break my teeth on it, though. Um, Liz, thank you so much for yeah. being here. You guys, Liz thank hosts you for the having pod. me. Of course, I love you, and I, I'm, I can't. I hope we get to do this more. I can't believe it's taking me this long to have you and Troy on. I just, in my mind, I always think it's better in person. But as long as the people are hearing your voice, baby, that's all that matters, um, <laughs> baby. You guys can listen to Liz's podcast, Feathers in My Hair. It's on iTunes in full form now. We're all out there, yes. baby. There's also a lot of old episodes that are in half form on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/EVPsychos. Um, and Liz, is there anything else you want the people to know about or pay attention to while while they have your ear? Um, no, you can come find me on Instagram, BentleyLiz1, or follow my feathers in my hair Instagram, which is EBP underscore feathers. And yeah. I do a lot of teen mom content over there. But that's really it. Um, yeah, come you can come talk to me on Instagram about like YouTube because I'm really obsessed with YouTube. And oh, okay. oh yeah, I we call, have that I, I would have kind of call for you. <laughs> I've done that. Um, okay, well, let's wrap this up because I, I got to eat. Yep. Um, I okay. love you guys so much. Liz, let's love talk soon. And I will uh, talk to you guys next week. All right. Bye. Bye. bye.